0: rents are slightly behind, but basically it's a great way to be able to hedge inflation. So we know rents are going to continue to rise for a number of reasons because they've created all this currency. They created a 40% increase in the currency supply over a two-year period from February of 2020 to February of 2022. So all this new currency, where is it going to go? It's got to go into things like rent. So if you are an owner passively or actively, you own a large apartment building, you're a part owner, you're a limited partner in that, one of Whitney's deals or one of my deals or somebody's deals, you're going to experience cash flow in that deal. You're going to experience you know, hedge and inflation that the value will rise over time. You're going to have some amazing tax benefits, either pay no taxes or defer taxes. And you're also going to you know, have appreciation of the asset over time.
1: This is your daily real estate syndication show. I am grateful that you are back with us again today. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. We have back... Bronson Hill. You heard us yesterday. I hope you heard yesterday Bronson elaborate on his story and pivoting from some different positions and some that most would consider highly successful, and he had to make a pivot, or he did, and made a hard choice. He elaborates on some of those things that I know you learned from. But today, we're going to jump more into multifamily specifically, and large multifamily, and some of the benefits, or some of the risks, and different things that he has learned, and what's happening with rents, what's happening with tenants. How should we think about raising rents on tenants or I mean, just numerous things, even into investor appetite softening for raising capital? And what should we do? What's he doing? You know, because it's harder to raise funds right now. We've all heard that or experienced it firsthand for the most part. You're going to learn a lot from Bronson today. Bronson, welcome back to the show. I want to thank you again just for your segment yesterday and you're laying out, man, your path to real estate success, all the different turns that you took. And even encouraging us, though, that, hey, we can make that big step. and We can think differently about the risk versus reward and focus on, hopefully, the reward, right, instead of just living in fear, which you, man, you stepped through that. So welcome back.
0: Thanks, man. It's great to be back. And yeah, I think there's that saying, you know, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, <laughs> right? <laughs> like there's so, something different. So I think he doesn't give it to us all at once because we'd probably freak out. But one day at a time. You know, It's a day-by-day journey, and walking with God and, of course, doing real estate and business is is a blast, but great to be back, man.
1: Yeah, I hope the listeners will go back and listen to yesterday's show with Bronson, just hearing more of his story. You're going to be encouraged, no doubt about it, and so just grateful to have him back. We're going to dive more into multifamily and some of the technical side today that I know just share so much, but Bronson, why multifamily? And you had a single family business. Maybe you can share a little bit about how you feel like multifamily is outperforming single family or even just some of the basic benefits, but feel free to go more in depth as well.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting right now, I'm going to go a little bit kind of, you got a single asset, then you've got kind of the macroeconomics above it. If you weren't paying attention to the macroeconomics, just, which is just, you know, what's going on in the big picture in 2008, 2009, you could have lost everything. And I know friends that lost everything because they weren't paying attention. So it's important just really to pay, to keep paying attention to everything. So we do a lot of that on our show, the mailbox money show. We talk about some of the, a lot of the macroeconomics, but right now I think it's a lot of investors are concerned that, you know, interest rates are rising. You know, the cost of a single family house payment now has gone up 41% from a 3% mortgage rate to now a 7% as, as a huge increase in just the payment The so people are concerned. But I see that as being a real positive for multifamily because people can afford less to buy homes. Now, the single family market's kind of cool off. Well, where are these people going to live, right? Well, they're going to go live in apartments. They're going to live in places that that you and I own and we can create great housing for them. But just in general, there are some great advantages to multifamily just from a high level you have an asset really that it hedges inflation phenomenally well. Inflation right now officially is, you know, eight or 9%, whatever. I I think, you know, unofficially it's more like 15 to 18%. If you look at a site called shadow stats, that actually looks at actual costs. And so if you're holding cash, you could be losing up to, you know, 35, 40% of your wealth just by holding cash for the next two years. So people don't realize, you know, the confused mind will say, I'm just going to wait, but I think it's an incredible opportunity. Because if you're, if you buy an asset, that really pays you to hold it. Meaning if I put up a chart, there's a chart I could show you from Mother Jones that's a publication from 1960 to now. It shows that the inflation and rents, kind of they go hand in hand. They're almost kind of lockstep. Rents are slightly behind, but basically it's a great way to be able to hedge inflation. So we know rents are gonna continue to rise for a number of reasons because they've created all this currency. They created a 40% increase in the currency supply over a two-year period from February of 2020 to February of 2022. So all this new currency, where is it going to go? It's got to go into things like rent. So if you are an owner, passively or actively, you own a large apartment building, you're a part owner, you're a limited partner in that, one of Whitney's deals or one of my deals or somebody's deals, you're going to experience cash flow in that deal. You're going to experience you know, hedge and inflation that the value will rise over time. You're going to have some amazing tax benefits, either pay no taxes or defer taxes. And you're also going to, you know, have appreciation of the asset over time. Yeah,
1: no doubt. I hope passives are listening or their ears are perked up, right? <laughs> you know, as we're thinking through the benefits of multifamily, no doubt. That's why I got a multifamily as well. Many of those same reasons and many more. But you mentioned you had friends that lost everything 2008, you know, and you mentioned you know, like, and they weren't paying attention. You know, I would ask, what would you say they missed more times than not? Or what should they have been paying attention to or should have
0: done even? Yeah. So I think the reason why a lot of people lost money in 2008, 2009, or lost everything, some of them, is the idea of leverage. Now, leverage can work for you or it can work against you, right? If we have, for example, a piece of real estate, let's just say it's a single family house, you bought it for 100000 and you put 20% down, 20000 you know, down and it went up, you know, $20,000, you haven't had a 20% increase in your money. You've had a hundred percent increase in your money. So that's an advantage, but it also can be a disadvantage, right? If you have the wrong type of debt, if you're assuming things will go up and there were people that had a lot of interest only kind of arm adjustable rate mortgage debt. And if you were leveraged down, you kept buying more and more houses because the assumption was that real estate can only go up. It never goes down because historically it really never had. And so everybody was speculating and just kind of thinking, you know, oh, this can never change. But what happened is when the credit market seized up, and this is kind of what we always watch for is to say what's happening in the credit markets. Credit markets have to do with what kind of loans can you get on your property? And I think that's the same risk that's out there now. Now, I'm, I'm still buying. We're buying a lot of apartment buildings, particularly in Jacksonville, Florida. We're really excited about it. We have to see a lot of upside. But you know, if people are buying stuff with the wrong type of debt or they're assuming that rents are gonna continue to go up, I personally think there's certain types of real estate that are more risky. I think whenever you have a value-add component meaning like we're buying property that, you know, was built in the 1970s or 80s, we're coming and doing renovations and then we're seeing a, you know, 40, 50% upside in the rents just by doing a, you know, a light rehab, you know, that gives a lot of what what Warren Buffett calls a margin of safety. So a margin of safety... Is just what happens if things don't go well? Do you have some sort of contingency plan here, right? Versus let's say you're buying a place and you're just assuming it's going to go up to the roof. Well, what happens if that goes the other way? So it's important to stress test. It's important to look at you know, just different options so that you don't get in a place where you are too leveraged or you're not able to get financing in a pinch.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Man, we can learn so much from that time period, right? I hope we're learning anyway so we don't relive. <laughs> Even though it's a different time, but there's still some turbulence, no doubt about it, you know, as we speak. But do you say, you know, multifamily properties still offer, you know, better returns, you know, even with the market correction, say, you know, potentially we're having right now,
0: I would say multifamily, honestly, not what a lot of people believe. But I think right now, multifamily is the most attractive investment out there, even at rates of six and a half or 7% or whatever. And the reason why is this, is when you buy a place now looking back, I think in two years, people will look back at the season right now and say, I wish I had bought everything I could. And the reason why is because when you buy a place, the price you pay is fixed, but the rate that you are paying or the rate that you get is adjustable, right? So rates typically rise. There's some of the macro picture here. Rates typically only rise as far as what the Federal Reserve is raising rates, typically six to 12 months, sometimes as long as two years, but it's typically not that long before They start lowering rates. The Bank of England recently started reversing course and lowering rates. Right, so there's a there's only a matter of time they're going to keep raising rates, and then they're going to start lowering rates. So if you buy and the rates are higher, what's going to happen if rates go back down to four percent or five or three or whatever? If it goes lower, the valuations of a lot of these assets could go up a lot. So it's hard to say. It's you know I I follow a lot of Warren Buffett stuff, but he has a saying. Be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. So a lot of times there's an opportunity, you know, a lot of times people, the idea of of blood in the streets or there's a, oh my gosh, we're afraid. We don't know what to do. There can be some incredible opportunities there. So not every deal is the best deal to be involved with. Not every thing that you look at, you should be just throwing money at everything, but there can be deals that make sense, that have a margin of safety, that you know, you're going to be fine. Like the deals we're doing, as long as we can do these renovations, we can do 80% of these renovations over the next two years, we know we're going to be just fine no matter what happens with interest rates, no matter what happens with valuations or cap rates, because we're adding so much value to the property, right? So I think having multiple plans in that, but I I think it's an incredible time right now, not just because I'm a multifamily guy, but because, you know, we're getting some discounts on pricing. And again, the interest rate can be adjusted later, potentially.
1: Wow. Yeah. Obviously we love multifamily too. So You know, we're right in there with you. You mentioned earlier, rents are going to continue to rise. But I get the question often, it's like, well, how can tenants afford it? How can it keep going up? You know, and what do you think about that?
0: It's a challenging situation because, you know, on one hand, inflation, a lot of these things we call the COVID stimulus stuff and the Inflation Reduction Act, which is kind of a silly name because it makes inflation worse. It actually hurts the people it's trying to help, right? So it gives handouts to people that don't own assets. And then everything starts costing more. So you know, the challenge is, if you're wealthy, or if you're like you know a lot of our listeners, or you and I, like we own stuff that we can hedge and we can actually do well again in inflationary times. But people that a lot of people are paying rent that don't own assets, they're going to be hurt by it. Now over time, hopefully you know wages will begin to rise, which we're seeing, and especially in certain markets. Wage, wages are starting to rise, but the challenge is they're they're not building a lot more housing. You know, there's not a lot more apartment buildings being built, particularly for working class folks. And, you know, depending on what studies you look at, we're between, you know, three and seven million apartment units short in the U.S. So, you know, there's different opinions on those numbers, but if we're short of houses, so again, you have less supply, you're going to have continued demand because of population growth. You have actually more demand, as we talked about, because the less people are going into single-family houses. And people are going to need it. So the only thing that can happen is that rents have to go up. Now they could get to a point where they stabilize or people just say rents here are too expensive. I'm going to go live 30 minutes away. And that's an option as well. So I think that's maybe all of the above happen. but I just, I don't see a situation where rents just come down or that, you know, we're at a place where real estate, okay, real estate's high and real estate's going to come down and whatever. Well, there's all this new currency in here. So I think we're just at a place where we're going to have perpetually high inflation And I think, you know, cost of everything, even building new apartments is going to continue to rise. So, I mean... I want to ask you, actually, I would ask you, the do you, do you see a, a thing where rents will come down or that they will adjust or even costs for building apartments will come down? Whitney, what do you see? Yeah,
1: you know, that's, that's a good question. Let me pull my book out here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I wonder myself, you know, about some rents. As we make projections, we're trying to just be ultra conservative as far as any kind of rent uh, growth, right? Because right? we, as things get more expensive too, it's like, uh, you know, depending on what class of tenants you have, you know, can they afford rent going up when they can barely afford to eat. And if that's the case, well, most of them are going to choose to eat first, I think, you know, but they do have to have a place to live. And so, you know, in a, another side of this, we want to care for our tenants. We care about them. We care about the, all these families that we're housing. And ultimately, we want to provide safe, affordable housing for them, right? And for their families. And I know just like you, I mean, our, our goal would be for, to share the gospel with them, you know, and to care for them in that way. But all that to say, part of the business is that rents have to go up to some degree, potentially, right? You know, over time or increase the value of the property. And so we do expect rents to go up some, we don't expect it to be like it's been over the last three years, five years, you know, whatever it's been, 15, to 20%. Annually in some places, you know, something crazy like that. But I think a a modest amount, we can count on it going up, you know, to some degree.
0: I think too, there's there's something too about the model of what we do of value add real estate, because I think it's important to address this because some people have a hard time with just, you know, we come in, we obviously people move out of apartments. People realize every year usually about half the people move. So when these places are vacant, we can come in and do those renovations. Right. But you know, is it ethical or unethical? Is it right? to be somebody who adds value to an apartment and then people move in and now rents are 30% higher or 50% higher. And I would say the answer is yes, because there's really two types of apartments, right? There's the apartments that just perpetually get run down. And you mm-hmm. think of apartments, mm-hmm. apartments you've mm-hmm. taken over, I've taken over and you get bad actors in there. You get people that are, you know, drugs going on, you get all kinds of stuff. And so there will always be places like that. And unfortunate, the unfortunate part of it, is that as we do these renovations and as, you know, again, we're not, I don't know how it works with you. I imagine you are not raising rent substantially on people that are living there. It's more about as people move out, you're doing the turns and you're renovating and that kind of thing. But as we're making a nicer place, we're picking the trash up, we're doing landscaping, we're giving people a sense of ownership of pride in where they live. Then they'll start to say, Hey, this stuff is not okay. They start to report things and it becomes a much better place. So I kind of look at, do, is it good for things to fall into disrepair? And, you know, the challenge if somebody, is not able to afford, you know, as rents rise, then they may have to move to a place that's not as nice. Yeah, and that's the challenge of, and that I think that's more of a thing of, you know, inflation and our culture and monetary policy and just, but it, but it is, it's a real important problem to wrestle with, especially as a, as a Christian. Like, what do, you, what is the right thing to do here? But I really think it is to create a better community to create a place where people can feel empowered and they can have a place they feel safe. Yeah, and you really care for the property.
1: Yeah, we're not kicking people out. Right. That yeah. are paying, I guess I should say, right. <laughs> you know, but there's a reason why there's high crime in some communities. Right. Or a trash is piling up or you're going to have to pay. You're going to pay more for some place that's taking care of those things. Right. It takes a lot of manpower to make that those things happen. But but ultimately we do. We want it to be safe. Right. And and people, you know, families to feel safe, you know, living there no doubt about it. And so as we maybe move towards the end of this segment here, I'd love any more thoughts you have on just the next 12 months, six to 12 months, you know, and any ways you're looking different at buying deals than maybe you would have a year ago.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting because I said all the, you know, these positive things about multifamily. There are a lot of people right now that maybe a lot of listeners are very confused. Like, I don't know what to do. And I just see a lot of changes with what's happening in the stock market and thinking, okay, I've got a lot less wealth. There's this kind of this wealth effect, right? So we're seeing investor appetite soften a bit, right? The last six months, it's been more difficult to raise money. And sometimes even we've had to raise more money because of the lender requirements have changed. So it's getting harder to do that. I mean, personally, I'm investing in multifamily. We've got our deals going. I'm also doing things around multifamily. So we've got our ATM machine fund, fifth largest operator of ATMs in the country. That's a very predictable cash flow deal. And so we've got people doing that. I'm also looking at stuff in the energy space, the oil and gas space. I'm looking at other types of things to help kind of hedge as well. So I guess that's kind of a double answer. It's like, I'm doing this, but I also understand, like I'm educating people to invest, but I'm also understanding not everybody is going to just because of the wealth effect. And maybe they're feeling like, oh, my stock market account is down or you know things have changed just in the way things feel or rates are higher. So you know I'm doing deals, but I'm also looking at other things that are outside of real estate also.
1: Okay. I appreciate that outlook on the other things, looking at other places as well. You mentioned harder to raise funds right now. I've heard that across the board. I know lots of people that raise lots of money in this space and it's very common, right? I mean, there's just more, a little more fear and you know, in the marketplace or as investors are hearing more media and seeing more headlines of whatever it is, you know, obviously just that little bit of fear makes them more hesitant to put those funds out there. No doubt about it. What are a couple of ways maybe you're combating that or you're ensuring, you know, your investors that, hey, this is a great project to move forward with or or just helping them through that fear?
0: Yeah, I think it's just really having conversations. I mean, I think even we talked about on the show yesterday about, playing it out. like What is the worst case scenario? What could happen? What are the ways any deal can go wrong? Like What is the biggest risk there? I always ask that to to potential operators. What's the biggest risk? What could happen here that could cause things to not work the way as planned? And see if it's the same thing I thought. Because I try to think, well, how would I answer that? What would I know? And then how would they answer that? And so I think for people, you know, in general, I would just say, if like in the situation we're doing, if you're doing value-add multifamily, very upside in what you're doing, it provides a huge margin of safety that even if rates go to 15% or 12%, which I don't think they will, but if they did, we'd still be okay because of the value we're adding in a property. And honestly, all of that stuff, in my opinion, it all leads to higher ownership costs. So what's the long-term result of higher interest rates? It's higher ownership costs, which leads to higher rent, which leads to higher valuations in general. So obviously there's, there's there might not be just a straight line in a certain way. There may be some volatility there, but I think in general, we know we need more housing. There's a huge demand for it. There's a supply shortage and that there's no technology that's in place that shows we're not going to need a roof over their head or a bed to sleep on, right? Like we haven't found any sort of technology breakthrough that's going to change that. So all those things are positives. And we look at the long-term and we think, man, the future is very bright.
1: Bronson, I'm grateful for your time today as well. Just a a great show around you. Just your thoughts around even 2008 to the current economic market and climate and and even the investor appetite, you know, softening and how you're combating that a little bit as you're speaking to investors and combating their fears, you know, around what's happening right now. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and even find your ebook. And then we're going to have another show tomorrow with you which I'm grateful for as well. We're going to jump into some other stuff around syndication and case studies and whatnot. But for today,
0: how can they get in touch with you? Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate the questions, the thoughts. Obviously, you just love your faith and everything you're doing and adding value to the marketplace here. So thanks for all that. If you want to reach out, I have this ebook I wrote. It's called How to Use Inflation to Your Advantage. It's 52 color pages of my website, bronsonequity.com can reach out to me there. Awesome. Also on all the social medias, you can reach out but look forward to connecting with passive investors or people that are interested in being active also.
1: Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the real estate syndication show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today.